Hello, I'm Marcus Morquet, and you're listening to the Churchill Fellowship Interviews, a series of recordings from my 2018 adventure traveling across the USA researching makerspaces and digital technology in schools. So the Nerdy Derby is uh, inspired by the Boy Scouts Pinewood Derby, and um, it's uh, like the Pinewood Derby except less rules. So this is a um, a, a no rules uh, car design and racing competition. So we've set up for the week here a 45-foot long, uh, uh, 10-foot tall uh, race car track. It's got three lanes, and students are spending the whole week uh, just doing different activities uh, that help them figure out what are the forces and variables that might affect the speed of a vehicle on the track, and then they spend a few days designing their own vehicles, and on the final day we have these derby races where we compete for the fastest car, slowest car, and a car that can most consistently stop at the top of the hill on the course. They're working in various groups here. There's other groups you organized, or they the kids decide on the groups? So we, uh, we the teachers set up the groups. Um, we their, pa- their pairs of students are working on cars together, and um, we have especially since this is sort of an end-of-the-year cumulative uh, project that um, we we do like to put them with people that we think that they'll work well together, sort of, uh, uh, I would say, friends, yeah. Yeah. And I like the way uh, I saw the cash on the table uh-huh. over there with your face on the cash the and other Derby teachers dollars, at the school. What yeah. was that all about? What's the money business? So um, this is their sixth year doing this activity. And so we've learned, it's changed quite a bit and we've learned quite a bit along the way. Um, the first two years, I believe, the materials that the students had available to them were just kind of put out in bins on the tables and it was a bit of a free-for-all. And what we found was, um, one, they were just kind of making a mess and being wasteful with materials. And two, uh, there was you know some problems with hoarding materials and it was unfair that some students were getting access to some materials and others weren't. Um, so what we decided to do was uh, have a currency. So we print up dirty derby dollars and students get an allowance of derby dollars each day but they can also earn derby dollars by doing things like um, writing blog posts, doing documentation, helping with cleanup. Um, we can incentivize them to do a lot of different things with derby dollars. We can f- also find them if we see them doing things like using power tools without safety glasses or th- things that we deem un- unsafe. Uh, we can find them as well. So the math department has really taken a hold of this uh, currency idea and taken it a bit step further, making sure that the girls um, are budgeting, uh, they're keeping track of their spending, everything that the, they spent. Um, and, and so now we have this whole store with all these different materials and you know, the prices of various materials from wood blocks to rubber bands to, um, to nuts and bolts, all these things can uh, shift and change according to supply and demand. I noticed some of the uh, students you mentioned have got this sort of entrepreneurial, so they've got their own little businesses set up yes. to actually get a bit of extra cash. Yeah. What sort of businesses they sort of come well, up with? Well, so we were talking to uh, a student this morning who set up a, a loan business where uh, as, as uh, some of her peers were running out of money, she, was, she would loan them money. Uh, for you know, and then collect some interest once they got it back. Although she told us that she was <laughs> unsure if she was going to get paid back for, by some students, so she's decided to close that business. <clears throat> but in the past, we've seen everything from um, betting rings. So maybe students set up uh, something where uh, the, there's three tracks. So each entry in the race would get it, would put in a dollar, and then the winner takes all. Mm-hmm. I've also seen uh, sanding as a service. So 
students who are tired of using sanding wood blocks. So, you know, there was a student that was done with their vehicle, so she decided to set up this whole business and charge for sanding by the minute. Um, uh, we've, uh, what else have we seen? Well, we've seen consulting businesses, so uh, cars that, um, you know, are doing quite well, uh, it seemed like they're going very fast, can then help uh, some of their competitors offer some tips and advice for, for derby dollars. Jeepers, lovely stuff. Yeah. Well, you spoke at the start about how the Year 7 students, they're sort of, they, they're advisors, they sort of, at the start of this week, they acted as succession planners, yeah, explaining to the they, kids how we, things work. Yeah, so um, when we uh, were starting the week, we had a, an hour-long orientation on Monday morning, yeah. and uh, we invited some of the 7th graders that won some of the awards from last year to come and offer advice and tips to the to the sixth graders. We talked earlier about how the kids in the junior part of the school, the, the prep to grade four level, they, they're sort of learning the skills and technology which they come to you in the middle level, they're ready to go and I guess that feeds them into the second, the senior part of the school. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a transition process involved. Yeah, uh, in the beginning of the year, you know, that we do a series of smaller sort of skill builder activities that are, that yeah. are meant to uh, introduce them uh, to the newer um, um, tools and materials that they have available to them in each division. So, yeah, I have students um, coming. The, the, I start uh, teaching with the sixth graders, and up until fifth grade, they have uh, they have access. To each student has a, their own iPad, um, but they also get a little set of electronics, um, a little bit set. So these are you know little modules that students can snap together using magnets and create um, some more sort of complex interactive objects. Um, so yeah, they come to me with a already with a background knowledge of um, various types of sensors and actuators, and you know how uh, what it means for something to uh, like a sensor to have a range of values or be an analog sensor versus something like a, a button, which is just on or off. So they, they they're familiar with the, um, these concepts, uh, which is great because then when they get to me, um, I can introduce them to a, a, um, some more advanced things like microcontrollers, where they're uh, using the same things like inputs and outputs. Um, but then also writing some code in between, uh, and I mean, so, and and then they continue on into the upper school where you know they still have access to the little bits, they still have access to the micro bits that they're using in the middle school. But then um, they also have um, they have uh, the uh, access to things like Arduino and and, um, and more advanced microcontrollers. The family has been here for how many years? This is our seventh year. Yeah, yeah we're and what's, seventh what was? Year. I mean, I guess you've seen it evolve the whole time. You've been in yeah, charge of the whole sure. thing. So, how did it come to? How did it? Had it start, ah. and how has it evolved in terms of uh, what you have in the room itself? There's a whole lot of technology there and yeah. ideas. Yeah. So, what's been the process? So, the way the Fab Lab started was uh, about eight years ago. Um, I was working in a, a Fab Lab for high school students in the South Bronx in um, Hunts Point. So, mm. this is uh, actually at the time it was the poorest con- congressional district in all of America. Uh, about 25% of our students have severe asthma due to the uh, truck traffic pollution in the area, and um, it's a it's a really it's at this now it's actually become quite a bit uh, of a hip neighborhood. But um, you know, eight years ago, it was the poorest congressional district in the country. Um, and so I was working on a Fab Lab project that was funded by the National Science Foundation, a very big uh, government uh, granting organization here in the United States, um, and we were. 
charged with teaching um, skills in computer programming, digital design and fabrication, and working with electronics, but through the lens of sustainability. So the, the lab was called Green Fab, um, and it was a, a really great, successful pro pilot project, um, but it was grant funded. And at the end of our three-year grant funding, uh, Marymount had heard about the program that we were running up there. Uh, and so they actually came um, and visited. They brought some of the administration up to see. And uh, they asked me if I could help start a similar lab here at Marymount. And, um, and as I said, this was sort of at the end of the, the our grant money was running out. And it, at the point um, that I was helping Marymount start the lab, it became clear that they would need somebody here full-time to help run it as well. And so, you know, as the money's running out and having this opportunity, um, uh, it, was, it, it wasn't too hard to make that jump. Obviously, they, they can use the technology and they know how to use it, but that thinking routine mm -hmm. which you've spoken about, agency yeah. by designer, yeah. are involved with. How mm -hmm. does that work with your school? So, so what, what are uh, the things you're really looking to see from students at the end of the day? Yeah, for me, I, I think a big part of that is looking at um, objects uh, as, as systems and looking at, well, systems as subsystems. So really um, trying to solve problems by uh, identifying the different parts, the purposes, and the complexities of different systems. Um, so, you know, for instance, if they're working on something like a, a scratch project um, and they need to, something's not working, they've got to debug and figure out what the glitch is. Mm -hmm. like they, they always say it's glitching. Well, you know, looking at that program as you know a system of various parts, and um, taking that those parts, f figuring out how to take those parts apart and test different elements of the system, and not just looking for what's not working, but also looking for what's working. Because if you can figure out what's working, then you can eliminate that as part of what what's contributing to it not working. Um, so I, I particularly really like that. Uh, that um, thinking routine, the parts, purposes, and complexities, I think is my favorite. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of what we're doing here is about teaching students how to solve problems, how to identify problems, how to define problems by looking at, uh, at, at an object or a, a system as you know, this, this idea of having a, a, a system of systems and subsystems that you can sort of take apart and really examine. In five years, what yeah. does the Fab Lab look like? And what sort of, and just even further, how do you see the maker movement across America yeah. in five years from now? You know, um, I, um, I suspect it's not going to look all that different from it, what it does today. I, I, I mean, certainly the prices of um, equipment has come down significantly, and that will continue to happen. Um, you asked earlier about you know the kit of equipment that we that we started with. Well, um, you know that when we fr first opened this lab, um, Marymount had gotten a generous uh, donor to to pay for the equipment, and um, the total cost of all the tools and materials in the lab at that point was about fifty thousand dollars. So it's fifty thousand. Um, but recently, I, I did like a back of the envelope to see what it would cost to kit up a similar lab now, and it's come down by an order, order of magnitude. So now, uh, the same equipment, or equipment that does the same tasks, uh, is come down to about $15,000. Yeah, so I mean, things like, you know, there's now low, low, lower cost uh, laser cutters, the 3D printers have come down in cost drastically. Um, so, 
I think you know we'll see more schools have maker spaces that have more advanced uh, manufacturing equipment. Um, the other thing I, 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 I'm particularly interested in is how machine learning and artificial intelligence is going to play out into um, in, in um, maker spaces in schools as well. And you know, there's the nightmare scenario of the schools doing facial tracking and, and measuring engagement by you know watching students with machine learning and cameras. Um, but there, there's also real opportunities to harness machine learning um, and give students teach students how to use machine learning to create creative technology projects. So add machine learning and artificial intelligence capabilities uh, to their kit of you know, tools and materials that they have available to them. That's what I, I'm really excited about those possibilities. We're already exploring some of that stuff here. There's some great resources online. Um, machine Learning for Kids is an excellent resource, uh, a website that um, an engineer for IBM has created. It's basically a, an API that links um, uh, the Watson, IBM's Watson supercomputer to uh, Scratch. So kids can uh, write their own programs and train their own um, uh, machine learning models to, uh, to identify objects and images or do sentiment analysis on text. Um, so I, I think that we'll see, uh, certainly in five years, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot more of that, kids using um, machine learning and artificial intelligence, not just in like the Siri, Alexa sort of way, but as an actual tool or material that they have available to them to use. Exciting stuff, James. Thank you very much for joining us today, and thank you for the tour. Yeah, Fantastic you, opportunity to come you're, to this You're school. very welcome, Good on you. Marcus. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Churchill Fellowship Interviews. You can find the complete series at radiocarum.org.